out there as you're uh, gathering us right now, or gathering with us right now, I'll keep going, as you're gathering with us right now, uh, so grateful to have you as uh, you join us online. Uh, I want to remind you that if you want to give, uh, you can give uh, through our online opportunities on our website. And uh, uh, as you continue to do that, we're just so thankful to you. I'm going to throw the plate one more time. I threw it at someone this week. Anyway, uh, uh, also want to just remind you that we have some great announcements uh, of, of things that are coming up in our future here at the church as we continue into uh, stage one and then stage two of our regathering efforts. Efforts. Uh, you can uh, just follow us uh, after the service with the things that we're going to be saying there, and I will be just so grateful to have you. I am in the presence of real people right now. Yeah. <laughs> And I've already shared with them that this is going to be kind of weird. I'm, I'm used to talking to you online uh, solely and specifically. We've been doing it for 13 weeks now. Isn't that amazing? 13 weeks that this has been going on uh, since mid-March. Um, we're filming this on a Wednesday night, and uh, it's just my privilege to be with my friends as I, I get to preach to them and to you as you're watching us here online. Um, but I am, just so you know, so grateful to have people to preach to, wave to. Hi, everybody. And uh, to be around this evening. That said, I want to remind us uh, that this season of separation is going to still continue differently for all of us. Some of us are going to be here uh, as soon as the word go is said, and, and others are, are, are going to just take our time as we uh, you know, might be in uh, groups that are a little more at risk uh, with you know, coronavirus stuff still uh, going around. Um, uh, we want everybody to venture out when they're comfortable. I'm just so grateful to be in a, in a world where technology allows us to be able to hang out in person. And then for me to be able to talk to you like I have been in your living rooms and wherever else you watch this online. So look forward to seeing you when you're ready. And I will continue to walk through this unprecedented, uh, unprecedented period in our history, uh, glorifying God and learning from him together. Uh, if you got your Bibles, here we go. I'm going to preach. Here we go. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn in them with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, uh, verses 1 and 3 is where we're going to spend most of our time today. We're doing uh, most of the sermon from this text, but we're going to flip over to Romans 12. So if you want to put your uh, finger there as well and just be ready. Um, if you've been following along with us over these last uh, few months, you know that we've been spending our time together in God's Word, focusing on what really matters. Uh, if a three-month slowdown has afforded us anything positive... And I think there's been lots. It's, that, uh, it's given us the chance maybe in our spiritual lives to run a check on our priorities and to be able to gauge whether or not they align with what God commands of us in Scripture. So I pray you've been doing that. We've covered lots of ground, talking about things like faith and hope, our gospel. Uh, Travis talked to us about fear and, and our right awe of God. Uh, last week I got, talked, got to talk to you about the overarching importance of love. Anybody join us for that one? Uh, if you didn't, you still can. Uh, they're all there on our website. Uh, go take a look. Uh, because what we learned last week is that love matters most. But uh, this week, we're going to continue as uh, we talk about the things that matter most. I'm going to talk to you again about the thing that starts with L and sounds like dove. Love, nice. The front row got it. Um, specifically, the kind of love that is required in uniting us as Christ's body uh, to be all that we can be, despite the many differences that exist uh, amongst us. Has anybody noticed that there's differences in the people sitting in this room? We're spread apart a little bit more, but uh, uh, we could still probably see that we're all different. So uh, I wanna talk about love and the unity that it's meant to bring. 
Uh, the idea of unity is a theme that pervades our scriptures. Uh, in Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter 4, he says this in verse 1. He says, I therefore, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, he's in prison, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Who's heard that one before and read that one before? I know many of you have. Paul's hope for the Ephesian church and for every church is this, that we would exist in a unity marked by the presence of God's spirit in a bond of peace uh, that is exemplified by our humility, our, our gentleness, and our patient love. He further commands us, get this, to be eager in this pursuit, allowing nothing to get in our way. I've kind of been reading the Bible lately and noticed that that's often a modifier of the commands that God gives us. Last week he told us to have an earnest love. This week he tells us to be eager for this unity. It's not something, this, the Christian life isn't meant to be just kind of like, meh. It's meant to be this passionate driven pursuit of all that God has for us. Now, unity, sound right to everybody? Sound like something we should have? Can I let you in on some news? Unfortunately, the Christian church is all too often uh, downright lousy when it comes to unity. It seems we Christians uh, have become notorious for our divisions rather than our unity. Uh, whether they be along theological lines or denominational lines. I'm always amazed to find out about the new denominations. Didn't know when that, that one existed. Um, uh, sometimes we divide over uh, social lines, whether they be financially driven, educationally driven. And then for our purposes tonight, a lot of times uh, the Christian church is divided racially in ways that the rest of the culture isn't. Uh, I remember growing up, uh, and hearing this preached often, that the most segregated hour in the American week is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. That's because uh, Christians and churches that are filled with them uh, are prone to stick together with those that they know and look like, those that uh, agree with them and uh, come from their culture. It's just an easier way to do life a lot of times and certainly an easier way to spend an hour together at church. But I have never believed that this is how God has meant for the church to exist. Because it's just not a, re a reflection of, of him and his character, his inclusiveness. And then it, it, it even is further from what he describes or he describes through John to us in the book of Revelation of how heaven's going to look. Have you ever read that one? In Revelation chapter 7, this is what John tells us as he has this vision of what we can expect in the life to come. He says, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages was standing there before the throne and before the land. They were clothed in white robes, which by the way, would show off the pigments of their skin. And they held branches in their hand like uh, those who lauded the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem. Uh, they cried with a loud voice, it says there in verse 10, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. As we know, that's his son. Get that, though. We've sung that in our songs for years now. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. There at the foot of God's throne, in eternity, in heaven. Kind of this uh, beautiful redemption salsa. I just coined that phrase. I'm really proud of it. Thank you. Uh, I like salsa. Salsa is this great mixture of a bunch of different cool ingredients. And 
Um, I think that's how the church is, is meant to be. It's meant to be this, this mixture of us. So as I've prayed for our church, uh, historically I've asked God to, to make us a reflection of what church will be like in heaven. Uh, to bring to us every nation, tribe, and people. And he has. Uh, from our staff team right on down the line to many of our friends and family sitting here in a room. Uh, I pray that he continues to bring us this diversity, that we might learn uh, anew and afresh and in more meaningful ways what this unity that he's called us to is meant to look like. Now, let me ask you a question at this point in my speaking. Has any of us ever wondered why God asks us to do such things like, like you know, promote and pursue unity? Why is unity, unity, <laughs> how's it going? Why is unity marked by this, uh, this unity marked by a humble and gentle and patient love so important to our God? Well, for starters, unity is a reflection of God himself. See, when God calls us to do things, he calls us to do things that will make us more like him. Like earlier in the book of 1 Peter, he says, be holy as I am holy. He wants us to look like him, act like him. And so when he calls us into unity, he calls us uh, to reflect uh, what's happening with him as a triune God. He exists in perfect unity with himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so for us to resemble him and, and be as much like him as we possibly can, we, we need to exist in this same kind of unified peace and this bond that he calls us to. But there's yet another reason that God calls us to act like he calls us to act. He, he does this because um, he is concerned with the rest of the world knowing him and his nature. And so he shows the rest of the world outside of the church how we're supposed to look, how things are supposed to be, hopefully, through the example of churches that have taken up uh, this pursuit of being like him in unity. Uh, he's kind of made the church uh, a staging area, a training ground for all of his hopes for all of mankind. Now, he does this because he has seen the division that sin has brought to creation. And, and so he seeks to use his children as a kind of template that the rest of humanity can follow on their way to finding a, a faith in him. Uh, the church, in other words, is kind of the, the spiritual uh, how-to YouTube video for the rest of the world. <laughs> I, uh, I do projects uh, at my house and uh, where I used to call people who knew how to do those things, now I just consult YouTube. Has anybody else done that? I just uh, find someone who is willing to videotape themselves doing what I'm trying to do and, and it's great. I can just kind of push stop and start and uh, I can just follow along with them. My son Cooper bought a Toyota Prius, a very complicated car. Uh, and uh, the battery died. I couldn't find it. How about that? I could not find the battery. It's like an Easter egg hunt up in that car. And so finally I logged into YouTube and I saw, you know, a, a video of someone changing uh, the, the battery in my son's uh, year and model. And uh, just so you know, it's in the back of the trunk. It's behind the right uh, rear tire. Underneath all of the stuff that you like, expect to be in a trunk, like the spare tire and all those things, that's where they hid the battery in this sucker. Uh, but what had been you know, a half an hour looking for the battery turned into 15 minutes of us changing the battery uh, once we just you know, put on the YouTube video. So it is with the church, if you can allow that <laughs> analogy. So it is with the church that we are the how-to 
of life, or meant to be the how-to of life for the rest of the world, especially when it comes to dealing with the issues that divide us in culture. So with that in mind, I want to turn the rest of our time to talking about something that's dividing us in culture right now. I want to talk about racism and what God's church is, is meant to do about it within itself and within its culture. I want to be honest with everybody. Uh, I, I wanted to do this sermon and I didn't want to do this sermon. I wanted to do this sermon because it's an issue that needs to be addressed. I didn't want to do this sermon because I'm a white man, 50 years old. I am um, someone who has not experienced racism in ways that others that I know and love have. I don't feel like I have the authority. Anybody ever felt like that? Like I don't want to bring this up because I'm not the one to talk about it. Uh, but here's the deal. We can't keep being silent on something that is so destructive uh, in our world. We've got to talk about it. We've got to search, uh, seek, seek, uh, seek God and search his scriptures to understand uh, the things that he would have us do. Um, this subject has probably hit everybody's radar this past week. You can't log on to a news website or click on the TV without seeing the pictures of the protests that are going around, around, on around our nation. They're, they're here in our city. Um, outraged by multiple inc incidents, but crystallized in the death of a guy named George Floyd in Minnesota, a black man, I'm sure you've heard of him, who while in custody of a white officer um, lost his life. Um, a, a diverse cross-section of all races have, of people have taken to the streets across our nation to give voice to their anger and their fears. So before I uh, progress into our text tonight and talk about race, there's a couple things I want to just kind of say as a kind of a given. Uh, first, I, I trust that everybody who's listening to me now, whether it's online or here in this room, um, uh, would say that I'm all in on the right to peacefully protest. Is everybody in favor of us having the democratic right to say we don't like that? Yeah, me too. Uh, I am grateful to live in a country that grants its citizens the opportunity to vote, <laughs> something we take for granted, uh, and the opportunity to demonstrate in support of the things that we think and the convictions that we have. Uh, so that's, that's a plus of what's going on. I'm grateful that people are um, in the right ways uh, saying what's on their mind. But uh, I'm guessing I'm not alone in, in thinking that the violence that often erupts, the mayhem that can occur um, as a result of what were otherwise peaceful protests. Um, this just isn't honoring to God or, or good for our society in any way. Um, those who perpetrate these acts are, are criminal and I think often opportunistic. They're not really concerned with the issue, they're just doing what they can to get theirs. Um, but here's the deal, even as I say those two things, um, I want to be careful not to dismiss the underlying issues that surround those things. Uh, on these two things, the right to protest and um, the agreement that taking it too far is wrong, I hope we can all agree, but, but from there, uh, we've got to be careful not to let things get too murky because they can. Murkiness in this area of racism is understandable, especially if people insist on viewing things only from their personal point of view. Depending on our race, our personal experiences, our relationships, 
Uh, we are bound to emphasize different parts of any discussion about race unless we're willing to step outside of those things and see it from a different point of view. I think that's what love is all about, being willing to step outside of self, to be setting self aside for the sake of understanding and loving someone else. I've had some unique experiences over the last couple of days as I got ready to talk to you about this. I, I had a Zoom call with seven African-American brothers and sisters uh, that go to our church. I've known them and loved them for years. And, um, but I, I, I can't remember being the only white guy in a conversation like this before. Well, I can't remember really having this conversation before uh, uh, yesterday. And so I sat down with them and I just asked them some questions. And I said, hey, 50-year-old white guy, Help me understand. I just want to listen. I just want to hear from your perspective uh, what your thoughts are on this thing. Uh, I got to hear a lot. I found out that some of the people that I know and love uh, had experienced um, acts of racism and, and uh, profiling uh, that myself will never probably have to experience. Uh, they told me about being a, a afraid uh, Every time they get pulled over, they talk to me about um, being in the mall and, and uh, just being watched, uh, even as mature men, uh, you know, uh, being untrusted, uh, mostly because their skin was a different color than mine. Uh, it was uh, enlightening, humbling uh, to be able to listen to my friends who I love. Isn't that interesting? If you just listen to the talking heads on TV, you can be dismissive, eh. But if you talk to someone that you're doing life with, that you love, and you hear their stories, it hits in a different way. Now, as it uh, so happened, I was able to go later on that evening and join in a Zoom call for a life group, of which uh, everybody involved was Caucasian. And so I thought, all right, I'll ask the same questions. Uh, I'll give the same opportunities. And let me say this, for everybody who's in that life group who's listening, I was so grateful for that opportunity to talk with you guys. But if I had to compare the perspectives can everybody guess that they were a little bit different? Even as both talk with grace and about the love of Christ and all those things, they came at it from different angles because that's where they are. They're on different sides of the racial divide. So these kinds of disconnects, they're inevitable. But here's what I've hopefully been setting up for us. What we need to do as brothers and sisters in Christ is persist earnestly in loving those that we don't fully understand, in pressing hard in those issues, in, 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 in being willing to say that even though this doesn't involve me, I, I still want to love and care for those that it does involve in an adverse way. God has saved us and called us to a love and to a unity that goes beyond who we are and where we are now. We are to love each other, like I said, earnestly, to seek to understand and sympathize uh, with those who follow Christ with us, no matter what differences my, uh, about us might make that difficult to do. I'll summarize this way. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are called to a life where our former primaries become distant secondaries to our pursuit of him. Everybody get that? I want to say that again. When we put our faith in Jesus... We are called to a life where our former primaries, the things that mattered to us most, the things that defined us uh, pre-Jesus, become secondary to our pursuit of him and to the, our pursuit of the love that he calls us to.
Does anybody know what happened on March 20th this past year? It's a big day. It was that first week of quarantine. Many of you have been told to stay home from your jobs. But I think it was a Friday. On that Friday, March 20th, the news came out. The GOAT was coming to Tampa. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. You're not football fans. It's all right. If you haven't heard, Tom Brady, six-time Super Bowl champion, is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yeah. Okay. A month later, April 21st, another banner day. Banner day for football fans around here because Tom convinced his buddy Rob, Rob Gronkowski, to come out of retirement and catch passes from him as an additional member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yay, yeah, okay. Now, I bring this up because there's a little known story tied to these two signings. Both men have agreed in their contracts with the Bucs that they will continue to be able to wear the New England Patriots uniforms and helmets. Because they were so successful on that team, it just makes sense to them that they would carry the laundry with them and be able to wear those shirts and helmets as they play for our team now. Who believes that? Does anybody believe that story? Yeah, fake news. Fake news, people. The last part's not true. Tom and Rob will wear Bucks uniforms. Yeah. Why do I tell that story? Well, because it's the same for us when we become Christians. Whoever we played for before, that's gone. It's not the jersey we wear anymore. Uh, the Bible tells us um, that the life that we had without Christ is the old life and that all things have now become new. But I find that that's often easier read and said than actually done, right? Because underneath my Jesus jersey lies the, uh, the old me, the innate differences that can and often do keep me separated from those that I'm supposed to love. I come with this baggage, these presumptions and um, subconscious prejudices that often go unnoticed in me until something happens around me that brings them out. When this occurs, um, I believe that these are gifts from God for us to be extra vigilant, extra reliant on Christ to help us move from those old things that we were into this, this new life and this new love that he's called us to, to go beyond uh, what we're used to doing and caring for our brothers and sisters and, and to go further in giving them what they need. Last week we were in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, and we read this. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, here's the command, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. An earnest love for God and for those that he's given us in our lives to love, these are the things that matter most. We talked about it last week in this life with Christ. So it's informative for us to move forward in Peter's writings here into chapter two, if you're following along with me in your Bibles, you can go there now, uh, where he says this, he says, therefore, that therefore is tying these thoughts um, with that command for love. It's the, the closest imperative. Uh, and so when, when Peter tells us to love earnestly, he says, therefore, in light of your loving earnestly, you need to put aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn babies, you need to long for the pure milk of the word so that by it, 
you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Love this metaphor. Peter says, if we are truly in Christ, did everybody see that in verse three? If we are truly in, ter- in tune with him and with his goodness, then this uh, in tuneness will be evidenced by our dogged pursuit of him and the kind of love that he prescribes for us uh, in our relationships with people. He, he likens it to us being like babies who are longing for the milk that will feed us. He says, uh, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. This is getting warm. I'm going to have to throw this out. All right. Um, uh, the Bible talks about milk in other places. It compares, uh, you, know, us, uh, you know, staying with the milk and not moving forward to the meat. Don't mix the metaphors here. Pete's not doing that. Pete's just saying, hey, in this life, if you're going to love earnestly, if you're going to love like I want you to do, if you're going to go further than you've normally gone, you're going to have to stay rooted in the word, the truth that we find in, in God's scriptures and, and, and follow the things that he prescribes over the things that you've come from. He, he says in verse one that we need to get rid of the sour milk. Has anybody ever gone uh, to the fridge and uh, like I did as a kid, just gone and grabbed the gallon without looking at the date? Has anybody ever done that? Yeah, that's a bad morning. Yeah, if you've ever tasted sour milk, it's not that great. It's not good for you. <laughs> and so it is with the things of the old life. They're, they're not that great. They're not good for us. And so he says, put them aside. He starts with malice. He says, put away malice. Uh, malice is basically a word that means ill will. It's a, a malevolence as it pertains to um, uh, racism in the world that we live in. Uh, it's this basic uh, having a bad experience or seeing, you know, uh, something that would give you a bad impression of a certain race and then uh, basically imposing or impressing that idea on everybody from that race. Um, it's a malevolence that, that carries over from a hurt or a presupposition, and it shapes the rest of our actions. Uh, it, it leads us into things like uh, deceit. We start telling us our, ourselves lies uh, about those uh, who are into the races. Um, we have assumptions about who they are and what they're like, uh, and it, it, uh, it's just a, a bunch of deceit, a bunch of lies uh, about them and their character. He goes on, he says, hey, you got to get rid of hypocrisy. And uh, hypocrisy is a thing that when people look at the church of Jesus Christ, that's what they cite uh, for them not becoming involved. You know, I, I like Jesus, I just don't like Christians. Uh, they can't make up their minds if they're going to follow him or, or defy him. On Sundays, they'll sing his praises, and on Wednesday, they'll fire off an angry post that may not be intended to sound racial, or racist, but it's certainly tone deaf and didn't sound a lot like what Christ would say. Uh, he goes on and he, he says you gotta do away with envy. Envy is this just relationship crusher. Envy is rooted in, in self, in self-preservation and in self-elevation. It wants what someone else has uh, so that we might have more than they. Uh, this plays hugely into racism. Um, racism uh, by the perpetrator uh, is keeping someone down so that we might go up. Um, for those who have been kept down, uh, there certainly should be a righteous indignation. 
uh, over that happening, but it can turn into this blind hatred uh, that is caused by this envious uh, thing floating around in relationships. He finishes and he says, I don't know if you're following along in the, in the Bible there, but he says, you gotta get rid of slander. Are these all straight? Is this looking right? Slander. Slander is, uh, man, it's this dangerous thing. And it's this prevalent thing in a world where tweets can be fired off before thoughts are given. <laughs> um, where statements can be made, um, videos can be posted that uh, basically seek to generate, accentuate, and exaggerate the very worst in any one person. The vitriol in our culture is just, ugh. Is, is anybody tired of it? I just want us to be decent. I feel like yelling that every time I watch the news. Just be decent. What I'm thinking when I'm saying that is just love. Can there be any love in this rhetoric? Can there be any forgiveness, any moving past what divides us? Well, we in the body of Christ have no place for such things. They all belong right here. Because what we live for and what we live by is the pure milk of God's word, the truth that he gives us. It's what he demands of us as we seek to build the love and the understanding that characterize the unity that he desires for his people. So I'm gonna close uh, with just portions of one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, uh, Romans chapter 12. If you're ever gonna take a, a memorization uh, challenge, memorize this one. It's just chock full of great stuff. Starting in verse nine, this is what Paul reminds the Romans to do. He says, let love be genuine. No hypocrisy. From the heart. Not because I have to, but because I get to. He says, abhor, hate. It's a command to hate, whoa. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast instead to what is good. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. And when you're doing that, outdo one another in showing that love and that honor to each other. Does everybody get that it's kind of a contest? It's a challenge for us to seek uh, how self-effacing we might be, how uh, going to the other side, going the extra mile we might be in our relationship with the people that God's given us to do life with. Let me speak to those who are outraged who are listening to me right now. If you're out there and you're protesting, you are uh, um, just um, despondent, discouraged over all that you're seeing, let me just remind you about something that love requires of us. We need to bless those who persecute us. We need to bless them and not curse. Disagreement's fine. Uh, crying out uh, against uh, uh, oppression, it's right but doing it in a loving way without ever uh, sliding into a hatred for those who are from a different race. But that's the command of God. Let me talk to what I'm guessing is, is probably the majority of those listening to me now. Those who are, you know, because of our race, just unaffected for the most part uh, by this issue. If that's you, 
If you'd be classified as someone who is unengaged or just observing from afar, let me, let me tell you what the Word of God says to us. You know what the Bible says about love? We, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is one of the most challenging verses that I've read in Scripture because here's what it says. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter where you are in life. When a brother or a sister or someone that God gives you a heart for in the world is going through it. As they're weeping, uh, you join them. Uh, you have sympathy. This is the sympathy verse, the sympathy side of love. Be, sympath be sympathetic to our brothers and sisters who maybe in this particular season, in the wake of all that's been going on, uh, they feel scared, angry, they're hurting. I sat with my friends in that Zoom my African-American friends, and I said, okay, just tell me. I want to tell everybody who, uh, you know, is, is white in our congregation how they can be an encouragement to people who aren't. Just tell me what to do. And, and they, they said this. They said, hey, tell everybody that it's okay to say something. You know what happens a lot of times is as we're trying to love each other, um, we think, you know what, I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. That's a minefield. I'll probably, if I say something, I'll say the wrong thing. Who's ever, who's ever had that one? Yeah, I'm just not going to go there. Uh, but here's what one of my friends said. No response uh, feels like a response. It, it feels like you don't care, that you don't see things uh, in maybe the ways that we do. So instead of saying nothing, say something, even if it feels weird. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, one of my sisters that I was talking to talked about how her friends, as, as the news was, you know, flowing and, and the stories of protests were coming around, they would just send these, um, these emoji hearts in texts. No explanation, just, hey, uh, I know this is probably hitting you differently than it's hitting me. I, I love you. I'm for you. Uh, and I'm here to help if I can. She said that meant the world to know that uh, my friends who are not maybe experiencing this in the same way that I am, love me. Uh, to everyone who's listening, uh, who wonders if I'm going to take a stand as a pastor on this issue of race, hear me now. Uh, if you're my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, and you come uh, from the African-American community or any non-white community and you feel the oppression of racism, I want you to know I see what's going on, and though I cannot relate fully to you, I can love you. I want you to know that I believe that racism is an abomination before God, and that my heart breaks over every instance of it that causes these adverse effects in your life. I love you, I'm for you, and I am against racism of any kind. So say something. Another thing I'd recommend to us is, is to become anti-racist. And some of you are like, yeah, I am. You probably are in some forms, but um, here's what I know. I know a lot of times because uh, I don't feel like I'm a contributor to the problem, uh, that I am, you know, just fine how I am. Uh, but here's what I believe uh, we need to do uh, to go beyond just being non-racist 
to being anti-racist. That means that everyone in here is willing to speak up when other races are spoken of disparagingly by those around us, whether in jest or otherwise. That means we don't stand for this kind of thing continuing even when those uh, who are being spoken of aren't present. We stand as anti-racist. And we say, hey, we can't, we can't do that anymore because even as innocent as it seems or as funny as you're trying to be, uh, these things propagate this idea in our culture. And they gotta go. And some of you are sitting here and saying, oh, Mark, you're being too PC. That is just too politically correct. Well, listen, if you mean by saying that I'm too PC that I am preferring Christ over, uh, you know, worrying about, uh, you know, how that might sound when I, uh, you know, lovingly speak into the lives of people who might otherwise uh, be unwittingly pushing forward racial agendas or racial ideas. I'll take that because I do prefer Christ. I do prefer him winning. I do prefer his best being realized in my life, in your life, in our church, in the world when it comes to the racial divide. That was a hard sermon. But I hope you heard what I wanted to say. We're called to a greater love. We're called to a greater expression of God's love in our relationships. And where we can do more, where we can offer more, where we can reach out to brothers and sisters, where we can start the dialogue and continue to understand each other from the perspectives that we can't readily share, God will honor that. God will bring us closer together, unite us even more, and use us for his glory in his world. Amen and amen. I'm going to pray for us before we sing. Would you stand if you're in the room? If you're watching us online, you can join us however you'd like. But we're going to pray. God, I just, uh, I'm so grateful for a chance to just pause for a moment and as, uh, uh, as an issue uh, that has bubbled up in our culture uh, rages, and as uh, we all come to it from different angles, uh, Lord, my, my prayer, my hope in preaching tonight was that we would, from you, uh, hear what we can do to promote your love, to bring about your unity within our church, and, and then that you'd use us as a church, as fellow believers, to go out and uh, promote that love and unity in the world around us. God, may we be agents of change uh, willing to go beyond ourselves uh, so that um, your love can reign and rule in our lives and in the lives of, of those around us. Um, Lord, as, as we sing this song, we sing it as a de declaration that yes, I will uh, lift you high in the lowest valleys. Yes, I will follow you and bless your name. Yes, I will, Father, uh, do everything that I can to be holy as you are holy and to honor you. Um, yeah, that's my prayer for us. I pray it now because of Jesus and uh, in honor of him, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy.
my 